of all the things to have fallen by the wayside in 2020, the thing that uh, I just kind of noticed and remembered was uh, the the round of golf, the, the few rounds of golf that I play every year down in Pacific Grove. See, my buddy Rich and I go down there, have gone there since uh, 1989, and that's one of the things we do. Ostensibly, we go down there to go to the uh, Pebble Beach Concord Delegons, which we've gone to a good 30 plus times or so. And then uh, also we go to the historic races over at Laguna Seca. But we also find a, we found this cheap golf course the first or second time we were there. It's a Pacific Grove City Course, municipal course, owned by the city. And it's like 20 or 25 bucks to play uh, Twilight after four. And we usually play a couple of rounds while we're down there. In fact, even though I'm living in Salem and I've golfed in Salem a handful of times, I'm not a huge golfer. Uh, golfed in Portland when I lived there. The course I've golfed the most at in my life, like probably 30 or 40 or 50 times, maybe more, is Pacific Grove. And I didn't get a chance to do that this year because of the COVID, but it's kind of funny. It's uh, This hat, by the way, we do a hat every year for the tour. We call it the tour. Uh, we go down there, it's just the, the two of us, and <laughs> we have a good time. And I didn't get my golf game this year. It happens. Hey, it's Tim Patterson. This is a trade show guy, Monday morning coffee. So glad you could join me. You can find me at uh, tradeshowguy.net, the exhibit company, Trade Show Guy Exhibits, the couple of books I do, some freebies there, links to the blog, the podcast, the video blog. They're all right there. Uh, jumping off points to other websites, webinars, and, and things like that. Um, this week, uh, oh, by the way, I want to remind you, I haven't done this for a long time. Subscribe to my newsletter. Uh, you can find it at pretty much any one of those sites there, tradeshowguy.net, tradeshowguyblog.com. Just look to the navigation and you should be able to find the newsletter. If not, there's probably a pop-up or something like that that'll nag you and and you can either subscribe there. It's once a week, uh, easy to get off. That's the way we do newsletters. This week, uh, I got a cool guest. Uh, he's been on the show once before, Bill Stainton, who is a award-winning Emmy writer uh, out of Seattle, producer with the Almost Live show, does a lot of public speaking uh, for years and years, he's done that. He's very good at it. And he's also a fun guy to interview. We talked about a lot of different things, including uh, innovation, uh, what's happening in the next year or two or three or four. And we kind of got into some things I wasn't really expecting to, and it turned out to be a, a fun interview. Hope you enjoy it. All right. I want to welcome uh, Bill Stanton to Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Bill was on, a, a, I don't know, a couple of years ago. It's been a while. How are you, Bill? I'm doing great, Tim. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing really well in spite of... I mean, great the, being the a relative term. Yeah, now, it is. Yeah. It really is. It really is. It's funny. This is, you know, all year long since about March, you get emails from companies and magazines and stuff. This is unprecedented year. And you're st I'm still getting them. Uh, yeah. You know, people are still trying to work their way through it. And I go, okay, another one of those emails, but... Um, you know. Right, all loaded with words like pivot and upheaval, and you know, yeah, those, right. Which, I mean, <laughs> and the problem is, I mean, those are all accurate. Yeah, they I mean, are. Those are all true, but it's like, okay, we, you know, it's like you know, you're copy we, and pasting each month. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we're just kind of in this tunnel that you don't see a light at the end of it. Although, uh, maybe, maybe there is a light. I don't know. Anyway, I'm curious how you've been doing this last year. What kind of things have you done, and have you made a big pivot, or have you just been doing the same thing? Um, I've been doing. It's interesting. Um, I, I, I've been talking to a lot of my fellow speakers. I mean, I, I made my living, I, and hopefully will again, as a keynote speaker. I mean, basically, right. my entire my entire revenue stream was getting on airplanes and flying to rooms full of people sitting close together. Sure. And that kind of dried up in uh, in mid March. Um, but what I was doing when I got there 
was I was talking about creativity, innovation, breakthrough thinking, that sort of thing. And, you know, if I was doing it on a big stage, you do it bigger. I'm doing the same thing now. I'm just doing it, you know, within the confines of this box. And right. obviously you change things. It's more teaching and less of, you know, the big show, um, which you get as a keynote. I mean, you know, the keynote is about, you know, a lot of it's about the show. Sure. And this is more about the content. Let's really roll up our sleeves and get to work and talk about the how to. So that's what I've been spending most of, most of my year doing. Um, and retooling and, and also kind of, you know, trying to plan for next year because next year is going to look different than this year. The first half might look very similar, but yeah, I think so. Yeah. Then things are going to start changing, I think, relatively quickly. One um, hopes, you know, yeah. as they say, fingers crossed. I know the trade show world is is gone just like the event world. Um, and they're looking at some shows being virtual through the first quarter. Others are trying scheduling live shows. I know we've got a couple of, that our clients it, are looking at in May, you know, but yeah. we'll see, we'll see. And I know that, you know, a, a lot of the uh, virtual reality companies and things actually mostly comes from gaming companies where they've been trying to recreate the experience of a, of a, of a real in-person trade show virtually. And it's tough because yeah. You know, you see, you see the screenshots. Oh my goodness, it looks great, but the learning curve is really high. And a lot of people in trade shows, it's like I, I don't want to have to learn a whole new platform <laughs> to do that. I mean, it looks fantastic, but it's too much to learn. And it, yeah, so it's uh, you know, I mean, it's it's great for gamers because they already know how to do that kind of stuff. But for you know, for older guys like like you and me, um, or not you, but like our fathers, let's say. Um, it's got to you know, be easy. Yeah. 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 It's got to be like, look, I, I just sort of kind of figured out zoom. I know how to unmute myself and that's as far as I want to go. That's yeah. You know. Although, you know, my, my family, my mother is 92 and we got her into zoom earlier this year. I said, we should do like every week or every uh, other week. And uh, I got three brothers. And so the five of us get together on every other Sunday and, and chat for half an hour. And, and it's, yeah. it's fun. It's it's now she knows how to turn the audio on and turn the camera yeah. on and things like that. I go, okay, she's 92. She's she, that, I mean, she, every, every uh, month she calls me, how do I get my email again? <laughs> so if she can she figure has, out, Zoom, Zoom you know. out, that's fantastic. <laughs> I know. So you had the uh, newsletter. It's, it's kind of a sporadic thing, but it came out. Um, it's, it's been very sporadic, very sporadic. Uh, you referenced an article in entrepreneur. I thought it was interesting. And I, I thought it'd be fun to, to get into a couple of things because sure. it looked, it was very forward looking. Uh, the article uh, author was a guy named Rashawn Dixon. And he made the case that uh, there are five key trends in innovation uh, that are coming and how leaders can capitalize the, on them in 2021. Uh, customer interaction, sustainability, a focus on EQ, social responsibility, and virtual living. First of all, what caught your eye about that, that you were willing to share that? Well, the first thing that caught my eye was just the title, the realization, because this is, you know, this is what I do for a living, yeah. um, is the... Um, the idea that innovation is the way through this, you know, in, in every, let's, you know, in every crisis in every upheaval, there are organizations that, okay, I'm, I'm going to start dropping all these words that thrive or that flourish and a lot that don't. And we've seen that. And there are, there are lots of reasons, but one of the reasons why the, why the ones that flourish do flourish, like they make it through with flying colors while their competition who may be in the exact same industry, you know, go out of business or just kind of lay low hibernate yeah, right. for the year or something is the ones who make it innovate through it. 
they realize that things are different and therefore you have to do things differently. You know, what worked before is just that, what worked before. And we're not going back to that as much as people might, might wanna say, you know, the latter half of 2021, if things work out the way we hope they do, will probably look a lot like 2019, but it's not gonna be exactly the same. No. I mean, the game, the game has now changed forever. And so I like that realization that innovation, innovation has always been one of the key traits. I mean, I think McKinsey did a report that said like 84% of executives said that innovation is going to be one of the most important um, uh, ingredients of, of their success. I don't know what's wrong with the other 16%, but, um, and that was before the pandemic. And now it's like, yeah, you've, you've got it. You've got to look at things differently because the world has completely radically changed. And I don't think we're going to realize, I think it's going to be like 10 or 20 years before we really kind of fully realize the ramifications. Like, you know, the kids that are like five and six years old now in their formative years, what's this going to do to them? I mean, right. either negative or positive, but you know, what's, how is that going to manifest itself when they reach young adulthood? Right. And uh, when they have their own kids, you know, it's all these things have a ripple effect. Agreed. And, and it is, I think it's going to last for a long, long time. And I look at this, these five, and I think, well, actually, a lot of these have been around for a while. People have talked about uh, consumer interaction and sustainability, sustainability and, sure, uh, social responsibility, virtual living for a long time. But uh, th there's kind of a twist in it. And you mentioned innovation. Uh, innovation, most people get the idea it's got to be something really big and, and overpowering. Yeah. And, and, and in fact, to me, as I've kind of followed innovation, it's usually just a tiny twist here and adding one thing there. And all of a sudden you've got something that no one else has done or you're ahead of the game on what everyone else is trying to do. So uh, one of the things that catch, caught my eye was emotional intelligence. I'm curious what you think about how to focus on that. That's a very interesting thing because uh, a lot of people don't have that. <laughs> you know, don't you agree? <laughs> I, I do agree. Or if they do, it's dormant. Uh, well, some yeah. kind of a dormant emotional intelligence gene. But I think that goes along with the others, the sustainability, uh, sustainability, uh, corporate responsibilities or social responsibility, that sort of thing. It's, it's this awareness that there are other people out there. Yeah. You know, that it's not just you and your little bubble, which is weird because we've all kind of been living in our little bubbles now. <laughs> I mean, you know, we don't leave our houses or anything, but like you said, we're, we're more connected than ever in many ways. Yeah. Like you talked about your, you and your family get together every other week. That's probably more than they would have normally, you know, yeah, like, like so. this, you know, you, you, you may see more of them than, than you did in 2019. You're seeing them virtually, but still it's a, it's a connection. And I think, um, I mean, there, look, there are a lot of different definitions of emotional intelligence, and it's one of those phrases that's kind of batted around a bit. Yeah. But really, it is just kind of the idea that um, uh, you're, you're aware of other people in the world. There's a little bit of empathy in there. Um, and that it's not just, let's make the product, let's make the profit. I mean, those are important. Um, but what's, what's, what's the human element? What's the, you know, what's, what's the people element of that? And that's, that's why I think it's, it's really tied in to the other things like, you know, again, social responsibility and sustainability and that kind of thing, because it's like, how does it affect other, other humans? It's not just about the bottom line. And that's not to negate the importance of the bottom line. The bottom line got to keep you in business. Right. Well, you know, and, yeah. and as I read through this article, um, it, it, it struck me that I think he's looking at it from the 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 buyers the consumers point of view they're looking for a company that's got social responsibility they're looking yeah. for a company that can relate to them 
as they're in their bubble. They're looking for a company that is doing the sustainable things and that are interacting with them on a way that they want to be uh, connected and contacted. Right. So it's Which it's not from it's not pushing it out. It's being aware from from their perspective how they want it. And yeah, that's I mean, it, especially consumers like you know. I'm going to paint with an absurdly broad brush here, but like, you know, millennials and younger uh, for them that again, that, that responsibility that, you know, Hey, you know, the planet is an important thing. There are other things, you know, we, we want, we want to do business with a company that's doing good things. Right. I mean, Ben and Jerry makes pretty good ice cream. I like Haagen-Dazs better, but you know, <laughs> if you're, if you're into social responsibility, Ben and Jerry is doing good things for the world yeah. and for the planet and for other people. And you kind of want to be a part of that. And I, I think that's what it comes down to, Tim. I think it's this need to feel like you're a part of something bigger than yourself. And as a consumer, if you can do that by supporting brands, supporting companies that also have that same kind of, kind of perspective, um, it, it is this sense that there's, there, there's, there's this wholeness. It's kind of an... Um, um, and, and, and organic, uh, there's a word that's escaping me now, but, um, but again, the, the sense of being part of something bigger than yourself, being part of a movement as opposed to just buying cornflakes. Right. And, and I think that, uh, it's, it's not a PR move. Uh, it's not where you're putting out a press release it, saying, I, you're doing I, ideally it's, it's not. living it. Yeah, it is. It is living it. Unfortunately, some organizations think of it as a PR move. Oh, we've got to put out the press release and say, we're doing this. And then, you know, no, you've got to back it up. I mean, you, you really, and it, and that, and that comes from the top down, you know, yeah, it really if, the, does. if the, if the, if, if the C-suite thinks, okay, we, we, you know, at, you know, ask the PR people to like, just put out this thing, but they're, they're not behind it. It, that might work for a short time, but eventually consumers are going to see through it. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the millennials and the, the Gen Z and that sort of thing. And I'm just thinking ahead, you know, my kids are, my youngest is 20, my oldest is 28. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I was born in the mid-century of the 1900s. If I live to be 90 or 100, I'll be lucky. And, and, and what I'm curious to see, and I won't see it, but I'm curious to know how the country and the world's going to do this century. Kids being born today will be alive at the end of this century. Yeah. Uh, and and you wonder what kind of world it'll be. And, and the young generation is going to be fighting for it. We're kind of getting off track. But I think it really kind of does relate to how uh, companies are are relating to those people that are buying their products. It does. And it relates to innovation also, because part of innovation is asking the interesting questions, you know, to get you out of the status quo. So one of those questions would be, as you know, if, if, if you're a forward thinking organization, what's my consumer base going to look like in 2050 right. or 2060? What are the needs going to be? Or even in 2025, of course, you know, because things, things change rapidly. But it is looking at those questions like, what are the trends? Um, a lot of companies that were big 10 years ago got big because they saw the baby boomers being born. Again, in like, you know, the 50s and 60s of, of, the, of the last century, um, which makes it sound really old. But you see, they go, oh, my goodness, these are a lot of kids. So how do you predict the future? Follow the boomers. Oh, <laughs> in 10 years, they'll be 10 years old. In 20 years, they'll be 20 years old. What do 20, you know, what are 20 year olds interested in? What are, th- you know, when they get to be like 30, they'll start having kids. Okay, so companies like Play School and stuff like that will get big. It's easy to predict the future if you just look and see where, where the generations are heading. Yeah, electric cars. I think of electric cars and how uh, 30 years ago, it was like you couldn't even find one. 
Right. If you did, it was a, it was a piece of junk, but now you see them everywhere. Uh, not oh, yeah. only just the Teslas, but uh, the other, other uh, car makers are coming out with a lot of them. You know, a lot of them are high end. And so they're going to have to figure out where their market is. But uh, yeah. you know, I, I think that uh, it's, you know, this is political, political, but I, and I don't know for sure if Biden's actually said this, but he's been accused of saying he wants to get rid of the um, com- internal combustion engine and the, 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 the petroleum industry and all that. Right. Right. And I think, well, that'd be great if we could survive without it. Um, it's a long transition, but it is a transition that I think will take place it's regardless a, of what the market uh, says. Yeah, it's it's a long transition, but it's almost kind of a sure thing also. Yeah. I mean, at some point, petroleum will run out right. or at least get scarce enough that it's no longer feasible. Right, um, and everything else will get cheaper, right? Right, exactly. And, you know, so you have to, I mean, it's going to happen. We can We can sit back and deny it for as long as we want, but... It's going to happen, whether it happens in 10 years or 20 years or 100 years, I don't know. But so the smart money bets on, okay, what's the next thing? Yeah. Because yeah. this this does have a limited shelf life. One last thing. I know that uh, I want to take this again from your newsletter. We're going to shift gears a little bit. You talked about something that you can, because you work with teams and, and how they're working within their companies. And you right. talked about how... Uh, uh, ask your your team members to spend time on a two part question. What will our clients and customers and members need a year from now, and how can we deliver it in six months or less? What got you onto that particular two question challenge? I was on a um, uh, uh, a summit with um, among other people Brian Tracy, and um, they were asking. And there were a number. You know, Dennis Waitley was on. There was a lot of like these legendary people, and right. somehow I got in under some sort of affirmative action program. And um, <laughs> so the moderator's asking like, you know, okay, so what's like one important thing that people can start doing? And he kind of went in order from, you know, to most, from most famous to, and so it got to me like, what, what can I say? And the one thing, the one thing I said um, was, you know, you know what people can do that I, I don't think enough people do this. People don't schedule time to think, you know, like actually put in the calendar an hour a week, a half hour a day, well, you know, whatever. Schedule time to just think and do like, and, and it was cool because I saw Brian Tracy going, yeah, it's like, wow. Okay, I, you, know, <laughs> you got a nod nice from thing. him. You got a thumbs yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. Got a nod from Brian Tracy. And um, I said, but don't just like, oh, what should I think about? What should I think about? It's kind of like with creativity. People think like you, they think creativity doesn't like boundaries. You know, like, oh, well, just be creative about anything. No, no, no. Creativity loves constraints. It does. And, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and thinking likes constraints also. So you just come up with some questions like what, okay, I'm going to think for an hour and let's focus on thinking on this question. Doesn't mean you have to stay there. But again, one good question is for any organization, whether it's a company, if it's a nonprofit, it's an association, uh, a membership type thing, whatever. What are our people, whoever they are, clients, customers, members, whatever, patients, what, what are they going to need in, in a year? And how can we get that to them faster? Because if they're going to need it in a year, eventually your competition is going to realize that too. Right. So if you can figure out, okay, again, like, you know, the baby boomers, what are they going to need in five years? Well, we know what they're going to need in five years. They're going to need, you know, Medicaid and that, and, and that sort of thing. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, what, what is our customer base, whatever that is to, to you as in, for your organization, what are they going to need in a year? I used to say five years, but now a year is pretty a good. Is good. Um, yeah, yeah. Because a year and, seems uh, like five years. <laughs> it does. And what's going to happen is a year from now, the competition is going to realize, oh, we need to be doing this. But yeah. if you've already thought of that 
and thought, okay, how can I start doing that in six months? That way you're a little ahead of, a cur ahead of the curve. Like you were talking about electric vehicles. They're still slightly ahead of the curve. You know, they're not mainstream. I mean, you see right. them all over the place, but it's still like, oh, that's, oh, look at the Tesla. Oh look yeah, right, yeah. I mean, where you, you don't say, oh, look at the Ford Taurus. I mean, ain't nobody <laughs> saying that. No. Um, but um, so it's still kind of a, you know, an out there kind of idea. But once it does become more mainstream, well, Tesla's already in the lead. You know, they've already invented that wheel um, and everybody else is going to be playing catch up because right. they, they saw where things were going because they took the time to think about it. Elon Musk and his people took the time to think about it. And he was willing to push on it and, and lay his money on the line and everything right. else. Yeah, And yeah. we can all do that. And that doesn't mean we have to invent the Tesla. Just like you said, innovations don't have to be huge. We tend to think, oh, if I'm not inventing the iPhone, then I'm not really an innovator. <laughs> Most innovations are incremental. Incremental. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you're talking about creativity. One last comment before we bring this to an end, but you, you talk about the constraints of creativity. I've been writing novels for the last year and yeah. a mm -hmm. couple of months, and it's been interesting. I haven't written much fiction in my life, but I've written, I've come up with a character and situation. I've written three novels on it. I'm back to the first one, but the comment I heard was at the beginning, you can write anything, go anywhere, but the closer you get to the end, the narrower that box, that right. trail gets that you need to follow to get there to get to the end. And I, I really like that because it, it it's true. Uh, you And the constraints really help you keep that narrative, that plot on path, as it were. They do. If you ask a creative person, if you, if, if you give a creative person two options, and one, option one is write a story about anything. And option two is write a story about a duck that wears a hat. <laughs> Most creative people will, will run towards option number two because yeah. I, I've got something to, to I've got to focus for my creativity. It's a I've got starting a point. Yeah. 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 A starting yeah. point. And, and then, then they'll take it in all kinds of different ways. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. It, it does, it does help to have that kind of, you know, here's something I can kind of sink my teeth into and, and really get to work on. Well, cool, Bill. Always good to spend time with you. Let's do it again here. In another too, man. Year. I would so, love you know. to. All right. Cool. By the way, I loved your talk with uh, Peter Shankman earlier. Uh, oh, good. Yeah. That was the fun. always yeah. brilliant and always profane Peter Shankman. Yeah. That is well <laughs> worth watching if any of you out there have not yes, seen Yes, he pulls no punches, and I like that about him. He pulls so. no punches. He's got opinions, which is yeah. good. Yeah. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Tim. Take care. And thanks again to Bill for taking time to join me this week on Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Uh, before I close it out this week's one good thing, a thing I, I kind of didn't expect. Um, I'm a big Oregon Ducks fan. You've probably seen me with my Ducks hat on occasion or a, a Ducks uh, t-shirt or sweatshirt. But on Friday night, they played for the Pac-12 championship. And my buddy Roger and I usually watch the Ducks games uh, together. Uh, and he said, yeah, you can come over, but I don't expect much out of it. Well, we watched the game and it was a good game. He said, man, they're playing the best defense they've played all year long. Uh, they ended up winning, I think, by a touchdown over USC, which was at that point 5-0. Uh, the Ducks were 3-2. and They went to 4-2 and and uh, gave the uh, Trojans their first loss of the year. So the Ducks are going to get a good bowl game. But that was kind of this week's one good thing. A little unsurprising uh, with this odd, odd year in uh, sports, college football, college basketball, NFL, NBA, you name it. So there it is for this week. Uh, have a great Christmas, and let's do this again next time around here on Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee.